Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. Well, good morning. Last Sunday, we looked at, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, an epic battle Maybe one of the great epic battles of ancient history, the battle between David and Goliath. And what we saw in that story as we watched David and listened to David in his fight and victory over Goliath is that we learned some critical lessons about vision. See, God had an incredible vision for David. One of the visions that God had for David was that he would encounter the defiant, belligerent Goliath in the midst of his defying of God and God's army. And God's vision for David is that he would do something about that situation. And so what happened in the story, just as a recap, God orchestrated the events of David's life and had David show up at a moment in the history of Israel on the battle line as an errand boy to bring supplies to his big brothers who were the warriors. And he positioned young David with a heart after his to hear something that should not be, to see something that should not be. And to apply that against something that he knew so that David had birthed within him a burden and that burden led to a conviction and that conviction led to a decision and that decision led to an action and that action led to a victory. And what I am fully convinced of and the connection that I'm making with that today is that God works the same way in His vision for us. And the way he does that in like fashion is that he allows us to see some things and to hear some things and to know some things. And with those circumstances of life, he births a vision in us and causes that vision to burn white hot when we see something in this world that should not be. And that realization is an invitation by God to join Him to make a decision and follow it by an action to join God and do something about what should not be to make a difference, to change the status quo through the power of God, which is exactly what David did. Many years ago, God birthed a burden in my heart. He allowed me to hear some things and to see some things and to understand some things. And through that burden, a conviction grew. And that conviction got hotter until it became a decision and then an action that wound me up here as lead pastor of Cornerstone Church. And in that process, God gave me a vision for His plan for this church. And one of the key aspects of that is listed 
as the third statement on the wall there on our vision statement, the send the empowered, that God's heart and plan for this church is that from this church He would call people into ministry and we would equip them and supply them and send them out to pursue the call of God on their life. Why? Because there is something in our world that should not be. And this is what God revealed to me, helped me to see and hear and understand. First of all, did you know that we have a preaching problem in our world? A significant one. There's a far greater need than there is a supply of preachers. Did you know that we have a harvest problem in our world? Let me give it to you in the words of Jesus Himself. Look out at the fields. They are white for the harvest. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into His harvest field. That's so true today. The fields are white. We have a harvest problem. Number three, we have a truth problem. The truth problem is this. As it says in Judges, every man does what is right in his own eyes. The truth problem. And we have a truth problem because those individuals do not have someone sharing the transforming truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And then number four, we have a leadership problem. We have a serious leadership problem. People are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And because of that, they are easy prey for the enemy who comes to devour them one sin at a time, one temptation at a time. You see, folks, put those together. There is something that should not be. And God's heart for Cornerstone, one of His visions for Cornerstone is to be a place that understands that and that He will use to be a feeding ministry into the mission field of the harvest of the world. That He would call individuals into the ministry and even specifically into the ministry of preaching the Word of God, that they would devote their lives to that. God shared that vision with me in July of 1996. It's been burning there ever since. And over the last 18 years, God has been working on me God has been shaping me and He's been working in this church. At that point, we had about 65 people who called this church their home. And God placed that vision that we would be ascending church where He would call people into ministry and He would call people to preach the Word of God. And I thought, Lord, how? Well, it's Him. It's not us. It's Him. It's His plan. And so we've been praying and asking as leaders for many years when it's God's time to begin to see the fruit of that. And that is going to happen 
Today we are celebrating the launch of our first church plant today. We're going to be walking through commissioning that team and uh, pastor that we're sending out for that. But what I want to do before we do that is I want to preach the call of God to you. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Mark chapter 3? If not, we'll have the verses up here on the screen. In Mark chapter 3, by the way, let me just say this. Here's what I'm praying. Here's what I'm trusting. I'm trusting that God, right here this morning, is going to call some of you to the ministry of preaching the Word of God. And that He is going to affirm a call to some of you that have had that in the past, but that is laid dormant. And He's going to breathe on that again and inspire you toward that call again. In Mark chapter 3, what Jesus does in Mark 3 is that He calls some specific men to the ministry of preaching the Word. And I want to look at that and I want to show you from that four truths about the call of God to preach the Word of God. Mark chapter 3, 13 to 15. And Jesus went up on the mountain and called to Him those He desired and they came to Him. And He appointed twelve whom He also named apostles so that He might be with Him so that they might be with Him and He might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. I'm going to show you four things about the call of God to preach. Number one, the call to preach is a personal call. The call to preach is a personal call. What happened on that hillside there is that Jesus had a large number of people that were flocking to Him, crowding to Him. him. They were hanging on His every word. They were awed by His words and by His miracles. And yet, Jesus, on this day in Mark chapter 3, in verse 13, He called 12 specific individual people by name. He said, I want you and you and you and you and you. I believe that is precisely what Jesus does today when He calls men to preach the Word of God really clear on that day that nobody was arguing who the 12 were supposed to be. It was really clear. Jesus identified who they were to be. Same is true today, I believe. You see, it's a personal call. Why is that important? Why can't just anyone say, well, I want to do that in their own will and their own desire and pursue that. Well, let me give you just a few critical reasons why. You see, when the call is personal, when you know that you heard it from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, it becomes a hook to hang your hat on. It enables you to unpack your bags in ministry because without it, what the enemy will do the one that, see, that sows the seeds of doubt, he will come to you and he will say to you, you missed it. 
You missed it. You're doing the wrong thing. You're not in the will of God, but if you have received the undeniable, unmistakable personal call of God, that becomes the bulwark against the doubts that the enemy wants to throw against your life to defeat and discourage you. You see, the power of God is unleashed through faith. And if you are doubting, it defeats the or limits the power of God. And so you need the faith to stand firm when the enemy comes against you. The clear call becomes an anchor when the storms of ministry hit. They will. They will. All of us face storms. I'm not denying that That's true of all followers of Christ. But there is something about living on the front line of ministry where the enemy brings his fierce attacks. I, I can't fully explain it, but I believe in the principle. And the call needs to be very personal and crystal clear in the midst of those attacks. So when Jesus calls you to that ministry, He calls you Himself. It's a personal call. Just like He did on that hillside a few thousand years ago. Then listen to this, just for encouragement. Luke chapter 6, 12 and 13 This is another account in Luke of this same story. Listen to what Jesus does here. In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Jesus spent an all-night vigil in prayer. What was he praying about? The clear implication here is he was praying about and for those he was going to call into the ministry of preaching. And so he prayed the night through and in the morning he said, I want you and you and you and you. Called 12 men to himself. I just want to tell you what that does for me. Having a personal call Here's what I know. I know that my Lord is the one who is omniscient. In other words, He knew all about my life before He called me. Not just all the life that I had lived, but all the life that I would ever live. He knew every attack that would come against me. He knew every sin and mistake that I would make. He knew every one of my weaknesses. He knew all of the circumstances of my life, but yet He called me. And that gives me the confidence to know that the One who called, who is all-knowing and all-powerful, equips where He calls. Because He calls with a personal call. So when Jesus calls you to preach, He calls you Himself. Number two, the call to preach is a high call. It's a high call. Have you ever noticed this in Scripture? A large majority of the very significant events of Scripture take place on mountaintops. Have you ever noticed that? I don't think that that is a coincidence at all. Let me just list a few of them for you. Moses went up onto the mountaintop, Mount Sinai, and there on the mountaintop, God with his finger 
inscribed on two tablets of stone the Ten Commandments, the law, and gave them to Moses for the people. That happened on the mountaintop. Jesus went and he preached in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 on a mountaintop called the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. So great, in fact, that even the other religions of the world do not deny that the most ethical teaching ever given to man is found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus climbed up on a mountain and he took only three men with him, Peter, James, and John. And there on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transformed before their eyes and the glory of Christ veiled in his flesh came through and they saw him in his glorified state with his face shining like the sun. Jesus carried a cross to a hilltop outside of Jerusalem called Golgotha. And on that cross, he shouldered the sins of the world and nailed them there, paying their penalty on that hilltop. After his resurrection, Jesus one more time climbed a mountaintop and there on that mountaintop he ascended back into heaven giving his disciples the commission to go into all the world and make disciples. Mountaintop experiences, high points of Scripture, both literally and spiritually. And right here in Mark chapter 3, Jesus climbs a mountain. And on that mountain, he has an all-night prayer vigil, and then he calls the 12 men that he's going to use to change the world. The men that he's going to call to the ministry of preaching the word. You see, here's the truth behind this. When Jesus calls you to preach, he calls you up. He calls you up. What do I mean by that? I mean, he calls you up, he calls you high because people are going to look to you. He calls you up because it's an elevated position and your life will be watched, even scrutinized. It's a high call because it's a holy calling. James chapter 3 verse 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. It's a high call because what's at stake is the eternal destinies of the people that you are leading and preaching to. And it's a high call because it is a calling of spiritual authority. Now, I'm not just saying the authority comes with the title. I'm meaning Jesus wants you, if you are called into the ministry of preaching the Word of God, He wants you to do that and the authority and the power of the Spirit, not your own. He wants you to access what He has made available to you, the power of the Spirit to be His witness. So, it's a high call. In fact, I am convinced that there is no higher calling on the planet than the call to preach. Number three, the call to preach is a close call. 
It's a close call. Look at verse 14 again of Mark 3. Jesus appointed 12 so that they might, what church? Be with Him. Say that with me. Be with Him. It's a close call. It's a call to come close. It's a call to stay close, to get intimate. You see, when Jesus calls you to preach, He calls you in. He calls you in. He calls you in to come to Him, to be with Him, to walk with Him, to grow with Him, to remain with Him, to pray with Him, to serve with Him, to laugh with Him, to cry with Him. It's a close call. He calls you in. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. If we do not come in when we call, when He calls, if we do not live close, then we do not operate in the power of the Spirit that He wants us to as ministers of the Gospel. And it becomes more about our efforts than His power. More about our reputation than His glory. And then finally, number four, the call to preach is an unlikely call. It's an unlikely call. Church, I so resonate with this truth. Look at the list in Mark 3, 16 to 19. He, Jesus, appointed the twelve. Here they are. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee. And John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Bonerges, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. What a group that Jesus assembled. I mean, just think about it for a minute. What a group out of the massive crowd that was flocking to him. Look who he called. Let me give you a few examples. The list begins with Peter, a fisherman. This is Alaska, right? We know a little bit about this. You ever hung around someone that catches fish for a living? Maybe we could compare it to uh, construction workers. Let me give you just a, one kind of an idea about that. It is people that a lot of times are pretty rough around the edges, right? Wasn't that true of Peter? Oh man, that was true of Peter. He was an unschooled and unpolished communicator. He had a knack for letting his mouth run away with him, didn't he? Peter made promises one moment and denials the next. He was overly concerned over what other people thought of him. He had one thing going for him. He really loved passionately. But Jesus called him and said, Peter, I'm choosing you. What about James and John? Were they, are they like two that we would have said, yeah, those are the guys right there. Those are the guys. 
Oh, what do we know about James and John? Well, James and John, what we read about in the three years that they were with Jesus, walking with Him, we see glimpses of this, that they were self-serving, selfish brothers who would rather take the world by force if some did not agree with them and call out a lightning bolt from heaven from the wrath of God to just clear the way. That was James and John. Number three, Matthew, the tax collector. I need to be a little careful here because we have some tax collectors and former tax collectors in our church, so this is certainly not true of any of our tax collectors. But what was Matthew? Matthew was a bottom feeder. That's what Matthew was. Matthew was an individual who extorted from other people to line his own pockets. And Jesus prayed all night, and in the morning, he said, Matthew, I'm choosing you. You see, the point I'm making is that it's an unlikely call. From worldly perspectives, it is an unlikely call. Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So the point here about the unlikely call is this. When Jesus calls you to preach, He calls you down. He calls you down. He calls you down in humility to a place of dependency. He selects you as an unlikely candidate because what He wants to do is show His glory through you. And He wants you to understand that It's not because of some merit on your own, but because of Him and His decree and His glory and His power. So what He wants is preachers who will realize that in humility and remain in a place of dependency so that they are open to the power of God flowing through them for the glory of God. I said at the beginning this message that this is a a red-letter day for Cornerstone Church. It's related to the vision God gave us to be a church that sends out pastors and that plants churches. And today we are having our first sending out service. We're launching the Kaleo Church from our body Uh, This Sunday, Pastor Chris, would you come up here, please? What I want is, I just want Chris to take some time and just talk about the process uh, that God has worked in his life uh, with his call upon his life uh, to the ministry and and how that's kind of unfolded. Go ahead, Chris. All right. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Chris. Um, 
And it's been uh, it's just been a great, uh, awesome journey for us here. And today is indeed a special day. And I just wanted to uh, just to give you kind of a you know just a glimpse of the past couple years. And um, but before that, the 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 language that Brad and I have really been trying to use, and the metaphor that we've been trying to use here is is family um, and church launch. It's very intentional that we use those words because so often people think uh, when new churches start, it's a result of a church split, right? And uh, um, and, you know, I, I realize that um, that's in the paradigms of, of many people. And, uh, but when you look at the book of Acts and you look all throughout Scripture, man, they were dedicated to the planning of churches. Yep. Um, and they were, the early church was all about planning churches. And uh, I'm just so thankful that, um, that Cornerstone believes in that. And uh, it's very refreshing. But uh, as Brad was sharing, in, um, that God had given him vision in, in 96. Um, God had actually called me to pastoral ministry in 1994. And, uh, you know, there's some people that embrace it. Okay, yes, Lord. I was the one that <clears throat> ran away from it, you know. for I was, So if you were to equate me to a Bible character, it would have been Jonah, just running away from <laughs> the call of God in my life. Um, and it wasn't until nine years later in 2003 that I finally surrendered to that call. So as Brad was beginning his lead pastorate here, you know, and I mean, you know, it had been a couple years in 96 already. Yeah. I was trying to figure out life. And, but it's just neat to hear, like, how, how God was just working his plan. And then um, basically in, in March of 2009, God had put this desire in my heart to plant a church, but I had no idea what that looked like prior to that. I thought that, you know, only megastar super pastors did that, and that wasn't for me. And every time I read through the book of Acts, so God would just draw me into that. And I was like, man, like, I want to I be a part of that. Like, that's, that's what I want to give my life to. Like, Lord, I want to be part of, you know, whether that's being on a church planning team, planning a church. I just, I just want, I want to center my life around the planning of churches. And that's all I knew. I didn't know how it was going to be done. I didn't know how God was going to bring and orchestrate these events. I didn't know I was going to meet Brad. I didn't know I was going to get connected to Cornerstone Church. But there, was, there, there began that desire. And then in 2010, we had left the ministry we were serving and uh, we were looking for a church to connect to. And we visited, I think, over, well over 30 churches. And we just had some basic criteria, um, namely, one, that the word of God would be central to that ministry, would be preached from the pulpit. And two, that it wouldn't just be the word of God. It would be, it would be through the lens that, that all of the scripture is, is, on, is on, centered on the person and work of Jesus. Yeah, and we yeah. came here in 2010, and it was the first Sunday that Brad was preaching through Romans. <laughs> and it was... When, when I when I listened, I was like, "Man, this is this is exactly it." And I met with Brad right after the service, introduced myself, gave him, you know, just kind of briefly my story. I was like, "Can we go out to lunch?" And he agreed. And when Chili's was in existence, we met there, and uh, man, just asking him some very pointed questions about the church, and we just knew that this was the church we wanted to get connected to. And we were here for for about seven months, and then we had a ministry position open up for us, and. Had told Brad that we're going to be heading there, and uh, you know we, we remained in touch and developed a friendship. And in 2011, um, we really um, I got connected with Brad and John, and we began meeting, and we began talking about discipleship and mm-hmm. and uh, you know what is you know I mean they knew that uh, Brad and John had knew that I had a desire to plant a church, and they just really helped me flesh out those concepts of what discipleship looked like, what does church planning look like, what is the nature of the church, and. Uh, um, just super helpful for me. And I'd also shared with Brad that it was my desire to plant a church, but also to uh, begin raising up leaders that were going to plant churches. And Brad had shared with me the vision that God had given him. And, and we got connected to a ministry called Antioch School, which now um, Pastor Dale is heading out, which begins today, right? And, mm-hmm. um, or, I mean, the, sorry, another, class. Our, mm-hmm. another term starts today. And um, <clears throat> we had gone down to 
Ames, Iowa, of all places, and had gone through that training and just had this desire to, to begin a school, and uh, that was Brad's heart. But the ministry context I was in, they just, um, we just kind of clashed there in terms of uh, uh, minist- uh, leadership paradigms. And uh, so I had to step down from the ministry I was serving, and it was just, I was just going to begin planning a church. And uh, my heart was so broken because my desire, my dream was that we would be sent out from a local church. Because clearly in the book of Acts, we yep. see that leaders appoint leaders yep. and churches plant churches. And that was my heart. And I was like, God, is, how is that going to happen? You know? And uh, as soon as I prayed that, Brad, uh, Brad had said, well, Chris, we, you know, I have an idea here. Why don't you come on board and we want to support you as a church plant. Um, we, we could use you to help our life group ministry, and we want to fully support you in this church planning endeavor because we want to plant churches. And so God connected me to Cornerstone July of 2012, and we've been here for two and a half years, and Cornerstone has just been investing in us. We've gone through um, a church planner assessment. Um, we've, we've been able to assemble a team. Brad and the elders here are like, hey, we want you to fish from our pond and, and mm. talk to the families. And, you know, if there are any families here, call to the church plan. So we've been doing that. And because, because, because the leadership at Cornerstone believes in open-handed ministry um, and, and kingdom yeah. building here in the kingdom of Anchorage, we're, we're now launching out with 20 families um, that Praise have been God. called to, to support us. And we're planting Kaleo Church. And if you look at your covers, that's... The Kaleo is a Greek word for, for called, and just we just felt that that was the nature of, of what we wanted to just be reminded of, that God is the one that calls us out of darkness into his light and for a purpose to declare the excellencies of him mm-hmm. and him alone. And uh, that's, the, that's the brief story, but we are just so thankful uh, to be here and for your love and coming back, closing with this family metaphor, right? Is, how many of you guys are part of a family? Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. You know, like when, when you... You know, when we have kids, we want to raise up our kids. We want to, we really want to see them know Jesus, and we want to instill in them godly values, and they're going to grow up one day, and we pray that we would, like, not kick them out. We pray that we would launch them yeah. out well, and they would have families of their own, right? Amen? Amen. 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 And Amen. this is what's happened for me. I feel like, man, coming to Cornerstone, just this, it's, it's been a family that's just has, like, literally grafted me in, my family, loved us, supported us, and you knowing that we, knowing of what we wanted to do, the vision that God had given us, and now... They're saying, okay, we want to launch you out well. And it doesn't mean we're not going to be family anymore. We're going to be family. Maybe the frequency of how often we see each other will, will change. Just as how many guys have kids that have gone off to college, right? The frequency of how often you see them is not as frequent, but they're still family, right? Yep, amen. And you're launching them out. And that's the, that's the metaphor I pray would be stuck in your mind. As we, as we launch out in this new church plan, that's what we're doing. We're, we're launching a new family that's going to begin pursuing the vision that God has given them. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God couple of truths about God that I've learned over the years is, number one, God is never late, but number two, he's rarely ever early. How many of you have heard that, seen that? Chris has been meeting with his life groups, they call them K groups, uh, in the forming and the developing of this church body, and the plan is for next Sunday for them to begin their own Sunday morning service. And Chris, why don't you just tell us about the time frame of, of that becoming available and where you're going to be? Yeah, so we just found out last night that we have a place for next Sunday. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how, praise God, amen. Praise God, praise God. And uh, that's, how, that's how God works. He, through a series of relationships, he connected us with, uh, uh, with the uh, Anchorage Northside Seventh-day Adventist Church. And as you guys know, they don't use their facility on Sundays. So uh, it's a great opportunity for us. Yep. Um, and it was an answer to prayer because we were hoping that we could also meet Sunday morning for our gatherings. 
versus Sunday evening. And there's just a bunch of other things, other things that God has answered in prayer. But we'll be there um, next week. It's downtown on 10th and 10th and C-ish or B-ish and right across from the park strip. And uh, it's just a miracle. God has just opened doors not only through relationships, through facility. And we just appreciate all of you guys praying for us and those things. Praise God. So as Chris said, we in the forming of a, a launch team uh, that would be a part of this, we ask Chris, as he said, to, to fish here in the pond, really have a heart here as leaders for kingdom growth, not how big we can grow this church, but the impact, the most uh, impactful ministry we can have for the kingdom. And we believe that happens through equipped and sent out leaders and the multiplication of churches. And so... Uh, Chris uh, fished here, and we ask you as a church to pray, and just ask God uh, if he would have you to be a part of that, and so uh, about, like Chris said, about 20-some families were a part of that, sensing the call of God, and we're going to hear from a few of them now. So Patrick and Lucy Matthew, would you come up, and Ron and Jamie Bailey, would you come up, and we're just going to have them share for a few minutes about uh, the process of over here, Patrick and Lucy Matthew, they're going to share about just how God placed his call upon their life to be a part of a ministry like this and connected them uh, to Chris and this church plant. So go ahead, Patrick. Good afternoon. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you to uh, Pastor Brad, the elders here, the staff here. I want to say thank you to all of you uh, for being our church. My name is Patrick. This is my wife, Lucy. We've been here for about two years, uh, Romans 7 for us, for the giving <laughs> score. Um, and I just want to say thank you for being our church and allowing us to be here, coming alongside, teaching our kids, um, coming, uh, uh, coming to us when we, we've experienced loss, and, and just coming alongside us and, as a church does. And I want to say thank you to that. And on behalf of all the families that are launching out with Kaleo, we want to say thank you to Cornerstone for sending us. You know, we're not fleeing away. We're not running away. We're not meeting in secret to, to, to go, at least not that I know of. Um, <laughs> but you guys are sending us, and that is really special. And I really want to say thank you on behalf of all of you guys. And we, our hope is that we can go and do the same one day. I first became aware of church planning really in a modern-day sense in 2002, I had a buddy who lived in Michigan who was planning a church, and when he told me he was doing that, I remember looking at him thinking, why would you want to do that? It's like he told me he became a vegetarian. I just looked at him like, I know people do that, but you don't have to. There's other things you can do, and you really got to be careful about what you say you don't want to do, because I was like, there's no way I would ever want to be a part of something like that. And he just challenged me, like, hey, why don't you, you know, read the book of Acts, like Chris said. Why don't you read the Bible and see what it says about church planning? Why don't you read this book? And so over the next course of 2002, 2003, 2004, I really began looking at church planning and, and developing a heart for it, seeing denominational studies, whether you're Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-denominational. So many studies show the way to grow established churches is to plant new churches, and that really was eye-opening for me. And my wife and I got married in 2005, and I remember as we were dating, you know, that was even a conversation I had with her was, what do you, how do you feel about planning a church? What, what would you think about joining some church that's brand new? And um, through the years, you know, I wasn't really sure how that would even look. My friend in Michigan, as his church was growing, he encouraged me, like, hey, Patrick, why don't you see what we're doing and move down here and be a part of us? And 
I didn't want to move to Michigan, first of all, because it's Michigan. And I know some of you might be from Michigan, but I don't want to root for the Lions. And I don't want to have to pay like, state taxes. Like, that's not really something I want to do. So it wasn't really part of something I wanted to do. And I didn't know how that would look up here because I, I'm not a pastor. I don't know how that would look. And then um, a few years ago, we heard that Cornerstone was going to be sending a church out. And we heard there's this guy named Chris Cha. And so we, I actually started stalking him on the Internet. I was listening to the sermons he would preach. And I, I was thinking, man, is this guy going to be a good fit? Like, is this, and we got to know him. And I remember the first time I met Chris, I, I was asking him, okay, what's, what's, what's the website? Where's the building? How many people? And he really was like, hey, slow your roll. Like, it's not about a building. It's not about a budget. It's not about a website. And Chris's heart and Cornerstone's heart is to make sure that we would have a foundation where we would be gospel-centered and that we would start off, you know, not with the external things that are important. Like you just heard, we just found out where we're going to be officially yesterday. But then internally that we would, we would have our hearts centered on the gospel and what God has, has done for us. And to share a little bit more about that is my wife, Lucy. Hi. Um, I feel over the last several years, uh, God has really been showing us a picture of his, the grand scope of redemption that he has planned for the universe um, and the world and people groups and nations um, and our communities here in Anchorage. Um, he has shown us individually that he loves us and he saved us and called us to be his and that that's amazing and I just feel thankful that the last several years he's taken us deeper and shown us more and it really has propelled us out I think in a way that we hadn't been before to our friends or our neighbors or our communities uh, we just have a hunger for them to know Jesus to know the satisfaction and the fullness that he brings the way that we do um, that God created the world and he spread out the stars and he told the ocean how far to come uh, and he made us perfectly in perfect relationship with him, um, the first humans. And then he watched as it deteriorated and got broken and died, like a father watching his child die or a father seeing his child dead already. And God stood back and God was like, I, I'm coming. He said, I'm going in, in essence. And he came. Uh, he came to rescue us. He died on the cross and he rose again. And he left us about his business to proclaim his excellencies. Um, and he promised to come back. And to borrow from a pastor by the name of Tim Keller in New York, uh, he said, you know, the good king will come back again, and he'll smite evil, and he'll sit on the throne, and all will be well in the kingdom again, and we'll drink from the water of the river of life, and we'll eat from the tree of life, and its leaves will be healing for the nations, which means healing for us as individuals as well. Um, and everything will be set right, and that's huge it just takes me up, and I feel by the nature of who God is and all that he's done and all that he will do, we just feel propelled out and called out because he's so big and he's so grand and he's so good. And we just want to make him known to our city and to our friends. Um, quick story of how we met the Chaws. So my dear friend Candace DeGraff and I were at Lake Hood one day with our kids watching the airplanes. She started to tell me how, yeah, Pastor Brad hired this guy Chris Chaw to help with life groups, and he's going to send him out to plant a church. And I was just like, wait, he like brought him to send him? And Candace was like, yeah. And I'm sitting there practically drooling because I was already stirred and hungry and restless, and we were. And so um, I was just like, man, that's so romantic. Like, I want to go. And so I went home to Patrick, and I was like, honey, guess what Candace said? And he said, see if we can have lunch. Um, so we got together, and we got to know the Chaws, and 
It's a good fit, and we're really excited for this day, and we've been waiting, it for, waiting for it for a long time. Um, I'm going to miss a lot of you guys. Always have to say goodbye for the sake of the kingdom. Um, Pastor Brad, thank you so much for sending us. Uh, let me say this. I thank you so much for sharing, for what you're doing in the story. I'm not so sure about the word romantic. For us, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's Ron and Jamie Bailey. And uh, Ron and Jamie have been a, a part of the, I think the launch team was probably formed the early part of the year, 2014, and they've been a part of that since then. And just talk to us about what God's been doing in your lives over that time. Okay, well, I'm Jamie, and um, we started coming here to Cornerstone about 10 years ago. Um, this before Romans, right? Before Romans. Well, before <laughs> Just wanted to get Romans. that in. <laughs> it was actually the first day of the Ten Commandments. Okay. I do remember. And um, so, yeah, we've been here a while, and it's for me and my husband as well. This is the only church home we've ever known. It's the oh. only church family we've been a part of, so it's... It's all we know, and as we've been here, it's been amazing because God has really grown our family here, um, and so a little over a year ago, we were called to join Kaleo, and uh, it's just a really big adjustment. Um, Kaleo, I mean, as you're hearing, we're, we just found out about our where we're going to be worshiping on Sunday morning, so we've been a church without a building, and that's been an interesting challenge because, well, what is a church then? So God has really been working with us on what our what is the role of the church what does mm -hmm. what does god what does he see when he sees the church and more specifically the body of christ um so from the first steps of joining the church plant god has put quite a few challenges um in front of us made us really rethink how jesus would have us respond um for me personally i'm more of a head thinker and god's really been challenging me to get out of my own head and to rely on him and, and the best way to do that is just kind of get out there and rely on him. And that's what he's definitely called us to do. Um, uh, in Matthew, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and this last year, um, he's really put us in situations that have given us a platform to make disciples. Over the past year, we've had the privilege of witnessing four people give their life to Christ um, and in some way or another, we got to be involved with them. And God has really fostered a desire and a hunger um, to see that, to see lost people um, come to the saving knowledge of Christ and to salvation. Um, Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. He's been um, growing us in that as well and teaching us um, that no matter how bad a situation may seem, all things work out for the good of those, are called, those who are called according to his purpose. Mm. Um, we saw this in our neighbor's life. Um, tragically, a little over a year ago, um, she lost her husband. He passed away. And through those circumstances, she actually came to know the Lord. Um, the Lord then used Kaleo to show her what the love of Christ looks like. Um, we had the opportunity to come alongside and uh, meet her needs um, around her home, um, and a whole lot more than what was needed. Um, and it was really amazing to see her. Uh, one day in particular, she just walked around, and she didn't see individual people. She didn't see people doing nice, generous deeds. She saw the love of Christ. And the, uh, the tears in her eyes were very clear, and she gave glory to God. 
so it was really awesome to see how God um, blesses his people and how he uses the rest of us to be a part of that. Um, these circumstances have challenged us to step outside of our comfort zone. This mm. is where we're comfortable, here at Cornerstone. Not up here, but here we're comfortable. Um, and now we're getting uncomfortable, but the family is still here. This is still our family. And um, we're just branching out and expanding the kingdom of God. And that's, um, God is also helping us and our family, our daughters, our son, is really teaching us what that means. My name's Ron Bailey. Um, there's no way I can look at all you guys and talk, so I wrote stuff down here to read. <laughs> so the question was, what has God been doing in your life over the last year? And I wanted to just highlight a few points, like 30,000-foot view of how I've seen God working in our life. I've watched leaders passionately in faith, hope, and love, equipping and training up leaders to find the lost, grow the found, and send the empowered. At times, God places a conviction, a vision, a desire on the heart of a soul, and you watch that soul work hard through faith, hope, and love like he was predestined to accomplish it. And I've been able to watch this very thing in two men, leaders here at Cornerstone, and God has given the increase. I've personally watched the love of God. I've personally watched the love God has put on the hearts of families I serve with that are my friends, for children that are so precious, that deserve to have and experience what God intends for everyone, a family, and God is glorified. I've seen broken hearts in situations I never intended to be in, but there's a purpose in everything. And the gospel is shared, and an individual comes to see the way and hear the truth and becomes a new creation alive in Christ. Amen. And God is glorified. Amen. Galatians 6, chapter 2. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. I've experienced this in the way I've seen all of us bear each other's burdens in life. It takes me from being passionate about what I know to being passionate about who I am in Christ Jesus as a member of his body, the church. And to top off 2014, our life group witnessed the faithful prayers of a wife for her husband as we watched him come to life when he met with Jesus Christ and made him his personal Lord and Savior. God gives the increase and God is glorified. And what better way than to finish my little speech with a verse from Romans, <laughs> chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Ron Jamie. Okay, Matthews and Bailey's, you're going to be able to be seated for a minute. And what I want to do here, thanks Chris, is we're going to pray a prayer of commissioning uh, over this launch team and commissioning and ordination over Chris in just a moment. Let me read for you a passage out of Acts chapter 13. In Acts 13, I believe we get a great model for a church planting a church, a church sending out leaders to the call of God. Listen to Acts 13, 2 and 3. When they, the leaders of the church at Antioch, 
When they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Let me just show you four things that were a part of that. Number one, it was God that called and qualified the leaders. It was the Spirit of God that said, I want these individuals. Number two, the church recognized the call of God upon those leaders and affirmed it. We're doing that here today. Number three, the church laid their hands upon, the leaders laid their hands upon and prayed over those they were sending out. And then number four, both God and the church sent them. Both God, the Spirit of God, and the church sent them out. So that's what we're doing as we wrap up this service here, this launch service. So elders and elders' wives, would you come? Uh, Anna, Chris's family, kids, would you come up here? And then I'd like all of the church plant, the church launch team to come up and kind of gather around uh, behind us here as we both ordain and pray over Chris and Ann and the family, and then we're going to pray over the church launch team as a whole. So why don't we all come up here on stage? I believe God, when He gave this vision to me many years ago, one of the things He told me related to it is that we would be, we would be sending out some of our best people. Now, I'm not wanting to say by that that you out there are second rate and those on the stage are better. That's not what I'm talking about. But we're sending some incredible people out, leaders out into the mission field. We have a picture, I think. I want you to see this. This is a couple of years after I was in lead pastorate ministry. We snapped a picture. Do we have that, Linda? A picture of our church and what I want you to see is there's about as many people on the stage as in the picture. So God has brought incredible increase to our church body. And now we're sending out a team like that to launch another church. And so I just want to say to God be the glory for that. That is all God and not us. Chris, a couple things I want to say to you as we prepare to pray a prayer of ordination commissioning over you. Ordination is a recognition of something. It's a recognition of the call of God on your life and a recognition of the gifting of God on your life to the ministry of preaching. And we as leaders here affirm that in you. We've seen that in your life, watched your life closely over the last two and a half years, and we have seen testimony of the call of God to the ministry of preaching and of the gifting of preaching. And so we affirm that as we pray. You be okay with the noise up here, okay? Now let me just give you a charge and then we'll pray, Chris. I'm charging you to be a man of focus in this way. Be a man concerned with one opinion, God's. Be a man that loves one woman, your bride, and that parents one family, yours. Serves one church, Christ's. Is broken by one tragedy, the lost. Hates one thing, sin. Strives for one goal, faithfulness. Blames one person, yourself. Lives out one quality, love. Lives in one day, 
today, lives for one day the last, defends one person the helpless, motivated by one hope, heaven, serving one with one power, the spirits, knowing one book, the Bible, fanning one gift, preaching, preaching one subject, the gospel, focused on one hero, Jesus, engaged in one cause, making disciples and living for one prize to hear the Father say, well done, at the end of your life. And so, elders, let's just uh, place hands on Chris and Anna and the family. And in accordance to the obedience of Scripture, Chris, I anoint you with oil in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Church, would you stand as we pray? Father, first God, I give you the glory. Thank you for what's taking place here. Thank you that you're the great visionary and you communicate your vision and then you're faithful to fulfill your vision and you're doing that here in part uh, through the sending of Kaleel Church and I just want to give you the glory for that. I thank you for Chris and Anna and their family, their children. I pray for them. God, I pray prayer protection over them. I know that there's a real enemy. And I ask that you would protect them from the evil one, even as Jesus prayed over his followers. I ask that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would equip them for every good work that you're going to set before them to do. I pray that you would grant Chris vision to see what it is that you have for him and the Kaleel Church and that he would have the courage to walk out into that vision in the power of God. Uh, I pray that you would meet their needs, uh, supply their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus and that you would bring great glory to yourself. I pray that Chris would... uh, First and foremost, focus on his relationship with you and then secondly, to his bride and his children and thirdly, to his church and the world. That he keep that priority in place, Lord. And that you would continue to grow them into the likeness of Christ in increasing measure for your glory. And now let's just pray a prayer of commissioning over this church launch team. God, we pray for them. Thank you for bringing them together, answering the prayers that you would gather a a group of people from this body around the Chas that would uh, join arms with them and march into the mission field uh, with them. Think about the reality of the condition in Anchorage. About 11% of the people in Anchorage view church as a viable option. That means there's about a quarter of a million people here that need to be hearing the gospel and connected to a church family on a regular basis. And I pray that those that you have in mind to get connected to this body, that this body would be empowered by your spirit in fulfillment of Acts 1-8 to be your witnesses uh, to powerfully share the truth of Jesus and spread the fame of Jesus into this city. So God, give them power, give them vision, give them protection, Lord. Give them creativity, uh, give them the giftings that they need to do everything that you're calling them to do, Lord, and let their light burn brightly as a a city on a hill uh, for the glory of Jesus, I pray in Christ's name.
Amen.